0: All right, Leadership to Wealth podcast. Today we have on the show an active speaker, public speaker. He is an author. He has also had his own TV show, Long Running. Now, our speaker today, he actually got into real estate back in 1989, and he has been in all facets of real estate, including development, including construction, including private lending. He's also a licensed realtor and a licensed mortgage broker. He has taught and helped people in the real estate industry for many years. Now, what many people may not know is prior to that, our guest today actually had dreams of being a fighter pilot, which he ended up leaving for the music industry, only to find his passion moving on in real estate. And today, guys, I want to introduce to you a rock star, a real estate man and someone who is real to the core. I'd like to introduce today our guest, Mark Vasilius. So I've just said all these wonderful things about how you've been in the industry for so long, <laughs> right? And, and uh, forgotten uh, more things than, than most people will ever learn. And, uh, I'd like, I'd
1: like to think that Neil, but you know, that, you know, we're, we're talking, we're we're just continuing our conversation. We had, like, I guess it was last week. And, uh, if there's one thing I can say is that the more, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. And I can relate that to, for example, in my, in my music, um, I was a musician, started off as a musician, wanting to be, you know, big rock guy. And I practiced hours, I, I you know, lessons and the whole thing. And I thought I was good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I played in some good bands. I toured. I did a lot of stuff. But I got to tell you, as I got older, I started meeting jazz guys. And I started. And so I was humbled. That's, that's the first thing that, you know, we could talk about forever on is being humbled. And there's nothing more life uh, changing than being humbled and accepting that humility. So I've circled back and actually started recording again uh, after having left music for about 20 years. And I'm just blown away at what a lousy musician I really am. (laughs) You know, I, I like I like what I'm playing, but I realize when I really listen to it, I go, would I listen to this? Would I buy this? And I'm going, I don't know. So I don't know if that's a great way to start this conversation about being what? being humbled, you know, how how did you get into music in the first place? Oh, wow. That's, that's a great, that's a, I, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, looking back, uh, I, I really wanted to be a pilot. I, my, my, my brother and I just love filing. And so I joined the air cadets at 13, got the buzz haircut, you know, marched up and down. And then for some reason I, I, uh, I uh, got into music at high school. I really didn't think much of it, but the music, but the, uh, I, and I was taking drums and he says, you know, you're really good. You should take lessons. And I thought, Oh, well, I'll guess so. So uh, I took lessons and it, and it really took off. The air cadets found out and then he said, uh, Mark, we're pulling you out of the pilot program and we're going to put you into the music program. And I said, no, 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 no. And this this is a cool thing, Neil. For the first time, I was 16 years old. I did whatever my parents told me. I was a good boy, you know, the whole nine. At 16, I walked in and said, no, I don't want that. I joined three years ago to be a pilot. And I'll never, ever forget walking in there, scared to my mind, to the captain, right? You know, tension and all this kind of stuff. And I saying No, uh, I don't want to go to the music summer camp. I want I joined to be a pilot. And he says, You have to learn discipline. And I said, No, this is not the life I want. I couldn't believe it. I walked out at 16. And you know, Neil, from that point, I grew my hair. My dad and I really didn't get along anymore. And I started becoming the guy that I am today, which is whatever that may be. But I do remember from six, so from from ten to sixteen, my dad and I, golden. From sixteen to about twenty-five, my dad and I not so much because I grew my hair and joined a rock band, and you know got into music. And uh, but I was pursuing a passion, which really, you know, Neil, I don't want to keep talking and talking, but that is the key to life: is following your passions for sure. I don't know if you would agree with that, but that's it. Started it started there, realizing that. So.
0: He, oh my goodness, Mark! I, so I like Bruce Spring, uh, not Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Brian Adams, "Summer of '69." Yeah, I mean, I remember hearing that song and immediately wanting to be in a garage band. And uh, of course, I lived in an apartment building at the time, so I was like, I- "I'm not sure how we're going to do this because we don't have a garage." But, um, sure. but you you're just talking about passion right and well, and and there's just something that hits and i mean music is let's there's something about music anyways i mean it it suits the savage soul right it, there's something to it that it just speaks in ways that we we don't always have words for and so for sure. i can completely get that passion what's really interesting about the story that you just shared is how how ready you were to go be the rebel fighter pilot, and then how, how that all flipped on its head, and you ended up becoming the rebel, uh, you know, um, band, band member. <laughs>
1: You know, you know, Neil, I, I, and I certainly, you know, I know, uh, I want to relate it to what you talked about at the beginning is for people listening, you know, what added value can I give someone listening? And I, Mm. I, I, am trying to connect that dot and I'm realizing that my love for music as much. So just quickly, I, you know, I, I stayed in the music business up until I was 40 years old and that's when I got into real estate. I made a big change and, but I, but I, I want to connect that story about passion to my greatest real estate deals were related to my passion for music. It's like let, let me let me connect two dots. Yeah. For, for, well, I, I have other passions. I have passions for sailing. I have passion for my faith. I, I'm I, I I love God and I'm a I'm a church going guy. But I have three things. I say there's only three things I can sell. I can sell sailing. I can sell music. And I can sell real estate. The fourth thing is of course I can sell the Bible, but that's not my call. So. I believe that we should, we only can be good at so many things. And so I I became, you know, I believe I became an okay musician. I, I got my head into real estate and I got my head into sailing and, and, and cycling and stuff. But getting back to that. So I was into sailing and then lo and behold, someone liked my boat and we started talking and he ends up being the number one designer in in uh, in Toronto. I don't know if you remember a place called Toby's, Toby's Good Eats. It was a a hamburger joint and it won an award for the best design. So you know how you walk into, let's say, Jack Astor's and you have the brick wall and all these pictures? This guy, Peter Cotton from Sunburst Design in 1975, won all kinds of awards because he started that trend. That's how old I am, yes, I know. Anyways, lo and behold, he has a sailboat and I didn't know who he was. make a long story short, he connects me to my very first real estate people because he's in construction. So, because of our connection about music, he was a huge music guy. He loved and sailing. We became good friends. So it was nothing related to work. That's my first story about passion. The second one is with, with is with Chuck mady So I was already in real estate. I was living in Barrie and somehow this guy called me and. You know he had a pro i had to know who i was meeting he's mark can i come up and meet you you know i got a couple projects and i thought yeah i had 80 apartments at the time very busy and i thought it was just another i didn't even google him which by the way everyone should do before every single meeting is google the guy you're meeting anyways mm-hmm. get in the car and we and he starts playing music and i said oh that's uh steve uh, uh, um, steely dan and the drummer steve gad and you know you know during that solo he did and he goes wow you know a lot about music and i went yeah he goes well let me tell you i love the whole trip we talked music and we went for a drive i was so engrossed by our music conversation we end up at a site and he says what do you think of this I go oh what are we doing here and he goes "Oh, i'm just you know showing you a site what do you think and i said well i think this i think that we come back we talked music the whole time neil he hired me as his vp you know why because he said that the mute the real estate thing no question. He said it was my passion for music. I don't know how that worked. Anyways, him and I are lifelong friends, just to be clear. So there's a story about my love for music relating. And because of that, Neil, becoming the VP of development, I was into the rental space and you and I have talked about that, about how real estate goes into cycles and that, that, you know, learning the different cycles. So I'm now getting much more involved in development and change of use, as opposed to buying cash flow properties. I yeah. learned that uh, with with uh, with Chuck. So okay, I know that's wait, a long I, I know that's a long story, no, bro. No,
0: no, 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 it's perfect. 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 I I got to ask the question. Why do you think there was that connection there that he went from your passion for music to hey, I want you know, I want to bring well, you in you know, on this. Real yeah,
1: life? I I I don't know. I mean, I know that, you know, he, knowing his character he, he cut through the crap and let's face it, most, you know, developers and, and you would agree, successful entrepreneurs, they just cut through the crap. And the more confidence you get in life, the more you have an ability to cut to the chase and say, here's what we're really talking about. Let's cut the crap. I, w- I would have to assume that, you know, he um, he saw that, you know, how 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 truthful I was about my music. And I told him all about that. I actually didn't know I was being interviewed at the time. He was interviewing me, he didn't even tell me, um, but he offered me a job afterwards. And uh, I said, but Chuck, we hardly talked anything. He goes, Mark, I don't have to. I, I I already know your resume. Someone So someone had already said, hey, call this guy, Mark and Barry, he knows this. He says, I, I just wanted to see what kind of person you were. And I don't know about you, but it, it, you know, you can tell a lot by having a person talk about their passion. And I guess we'll circle right. back to that is, you know, the passion, a passion tells you a lot, right? About who the person you're dealing with, and if they're truthful, they'll you, you'll tell. You'll know if someone is passionate or if he's, yeah. you know, trying to jerk your chain. Yeah. So
0: yeah, yeah, no that that's uh, that's really interesting because y- you know I think we've probably both run into many people when you're when you're talking to them and there there isn't a passion for mm, yeah. I don't know anything right yeah. and and that leaves you with. Sort of a sour taste in your mouth. Okay, it is what it is for them. That that's great, but I can see how I can see how he was just enamored by the by the what's the word Fer- ferocity ferocity <laughs> of that conversation, right? Because yeah. when you're really engaging, right, that that's so, yeah. In this business, you want to be able to enjoy the people that you're that you're going to spend time with. Right, yeah. for, and, exactly.
1: And, for sure, you want to be surrounded by by people you you like being surrounded with, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, okay. Let me let me just kind of jump to a, a a question about that. Your your grandmother told you to get into real estate, correct?
1: Yeah. So so I I, I know we talked, but so briefly. Yeah, she came here. She was able to buy a townhouse right at the corner, just off uh, the corner of uh, Bathurst and Queen. And it was a townhouse and then she rented rooms it had six bedrooms and so she rented these rooms and that's how she lived till 87 never walked into a thing she just rented rooms to the to the people and as you can imagine there be some but somehow she managed and so she told me she said you know you know when you're younger she said get into real estate and you know when you're 1920 no one else in my family was doing it to be to be honest no one else you know my dad was I'll say it my dad was a union man um, I'm not a union, man. I, I believe in, you know, you, you work hard, you get paid hard. I had opportunities to be in a great union. I was a conductor on the railway. And uh, when I saw uh, much older guys, I was 20 at the time, and I saw how bitter they were. I realized is that that could be me 40 years from now, you know, meaning that, you know, they treat us wrong. They're this, they're that. And so I looked at that and I said, is that the kind of person I want to be? And that's And again you know bro no one told me to ask those questions but again you know circling to helping people say look at a guy that's been in the industry you're thinking of and is he the type of person you want to be is he does he live the life that you want and then follow that path and so i saw these union guys and all they were was pissed off they were upset all the time made a lot of money but they just and i said i don't want to be like that and that's when i quit and my father was totally against it. Again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, my my dad and I butted heads. So, so he was dead set against it. And I, and I said, dad, I just, I just, I don't want to be in a union. He goes, you don't know, they'll take care of you. They'll give you this and they'll do that. And I go, yeah, but dad, if I'm unhappy, if I'm unhappy, it doesn't matter. And that was, that was a, that was a real, real tough moment for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So you went from going to be a fighter pilot. To uh, going over (laughs) long haired, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, from there to um, to getting into music, getting into band, all that stuff, almost going down the road of being a union man, and right, but just looking down, yeah, yeah, looking down the road and going, This is not how I want to spend my life, yeah, and and um. And then you, and you continued down music at that point.
1: For sure. For sure. I, yeah. I, 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 believed in it. And I, I actually worked for a big company. It was a company called Ericsson and Ericsson. For those that are, are into music, I mean, uh, I mean, they supplied Kramer guitars, Pearl drums, Fostex, you know, Krim- Korg. Korg pianos was my number one line. My license plate used to say the M1. Anyone who understands music will know that the M1 changed the music industry, just listen to any 80s song that Madonna did. And it's the M1 doing all this background. So I was in charge of Ontario for selling that thing. And and because of that, to be fair, I bought two rental properties for the, you know, I was uh, 27 years old. I only bought rental properties because my grandmother said, my parents said, what are you doing? You know? And I said, look, I'm going to rent these out. I had no real plan in place. Let me just say, I didn't write my business plan that I'm following now until I was 40. I loved music and I, you know, I, I never had a business plan because I, I I'll go back to what I said. I was so arrogant. I was so thinking, what do I need? To, I know where I'm going. And I now I look back and I and I tell people, oops, I tell people, I say, you know, what do you want to do when you get old? Well, I want to do this, this have you written it down? Well, no. And I said, Well, then you don't have a plan at all. Right? You want to be a millionaire. Show me how you want to be a millionaire. Put put it in writing. And so so when I bought the homes, it wasn't part of a plan, a big plan. It was just because someone told me to do it, which is, which looking back is the wrong reason. You know, if I, you know, as you mentioned, you know, we want to keep this thing focused on helping people figure out, you know, where they want to go in terms of a leadership thing. The best thing you could ever do is really write down what it is that you want out of life. I mean, Zig Ziglar said, people put more planning into the wedding than into their life, right? And, and, and you know, the, if you just spent the same amount of time, right? So I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, I, are, you oh, a, are you having a heart attack there or what?
0: <laughs> I have not heard that one from Zig Ziglar, but that is so yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. People yeah, put more though, right? time I mean, into their wedding than they do into their life. Right. And you are so right. Oh, my goodness. Holy yeah. crow. Yeah. And... and Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, but, but I just I just want to say
1: you know it's coming from a place
0: where 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 I was
1: arrogant, not arrogant in terms of you know uh, uh, you know abusive, but just internally. When I look back at myself, I say, man, you know I did listen to people, but I I keep saying I am more humbled now than I, when I was younger, and I and I look back and go, man, if I just would have been a little bit toned down what I thought I knew versus what I really know um, I, you know I maybe would have been been further ahead uh, so so you know again getting back to buying my first couple properties going back to the music thing that's how I cut my teeth uh, right. in rental properties is almost by accident and then of course 1989 came now Neil wait I don't
0: wait, 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 wait don't 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 go there just yet I'm gonna I'll write that down 1989 but I gotta ask you a question um, right the so your grandmother said buy real estate yeah you 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 didn't know what you were doing you were focused on music correct you exactly. and and actually there's something i i want to ask about that but we'll get to that so you go to get your first property like how yeah. did that happen like you you don't you don't have any mentors do you at this time no. like no. you don't know what you're doing how in the world did you go so, get your
1: first property so, yeah, I, I bought, you know, uh, because I thought it was a good deal. It was actually a semi. Um, I was very fortunate that I bought a semi and, and anyone out there looking to buy real estate, which you're probably watching, semis are great because semis always have a side door that takes you to the basement, which automatically creates a second unit apartment option. So whenever and I didn't realize it. So now whenever I look at a property, always look at the interior layout and say, can I split this up? Not realizing that eight, 90% of the semis built have a side door, right? You got the front door and then you got the side door for the basement. And and that's how most semis are built. So I, I when I bought it, I uh, I didn't have a plan. I've And, and uh, 1989 came and I don't know if you're aware, Neil, but 1989 was the, the last huge real estate crash. Mm. Interest rates were at 12%. Like like for anyone listening, it is absolutely possible to have you go into a bank and you sign a mortgage with the bank and you're saying your interest rates 12% and you think that's normal. So mistake number one is I did not have a mentor saying, you know, Mark, you may not want to buy now because real estate, the market was so peaked, interest rates were so high that it would come down and anyone wise would absolutely say that now just, and you know, there's a whole other conversation about interest rates where they're a true guide of where we are from, from our thing. So I, I bought and then within six months, the house housing market crashed. Everything crashed. I paid one eighty five for the property. By 1991, I went to get it appraised. It was worth one fifty five. Now, from one eighty five to one fifty five, it's not a lot. But when you look at it as a percentage, 20, 25 percent. Uh, you know, if it's like going from a million to seven hundred and fifty, doesn't matter. It's a percentage. So I realized, oh my god, I, I, I'm kind of, I, I can't sell it. So I rented out the basement. That's how I was forced into doing it. So it, it's hard to believe, but I, I, I rented out the bay, and that's how I cut my teeth on renting.
0: Yeah. I love that. I <laughs> love that, Mark. Oh my goodness, that says that speaks volumes about so many different things. For starters. Let's be honest, you, you didn't know fully what you were doing. No, I did you, you went forward anyways. For sure, because like, everybody was doing it, Neil.
1: Every oh, yeah. 12%, that's cheap. Some guys are saying, I got 15 at the CIBC. You know, like, we're talking Schedule A banks, 12%,
0: man. Yeah, yeah. Well, come on. No, number one rule, number one lesson in any master class on the planet is going to be take – Action and and you jumped yeah. in there and you took action I I right yeah. um yeah. you may not have had the full plan you <laughs> you had makings of one and maybe yeah. your grandmother had been the one that said go do it and but you did it yeah and the ride that you just went through i mean through that little piece can you share any of that because yeah for saying, sure. you're, you're not even you That's not even your focus yet, right? Like you're
1: still so so I I was still just to be so getting connecting the two. So I had this rental property, and I realized I'm living in the main floor. I'm a single guy, by the way. I didn't get married till I was 37. So I had you know four bedrooms up. I had three bedrooms down, and I built everything myself. Put the shower in the basement, and I rented it out to a family. And you know uh, they had a young child and the sleepless nights, and so then I rented out a couple rooms to some friends so the reality was during that very difficult time from 90 to about 97 seven years seven years i was able to survive because i i, I rented out the place i was living it's it's that simple I, I i cut my teeth on having crappy roommates having lousy tenants having some good tenants um and then i and i did that so so and i was doing the music business at the time I left. I started. I got. I got into sound engineering, and I started actually building my own speakers. I very, very much got into um, sound engineering and uh, worked with a partner that actually developed a distortionless speaker. We created a crossover. I don't know if anyone understands. So sound goes into a speaker and gets divided by the crossover, and the crossover sends the highs to the horn, the the lows to the to the woofer, and things like that. Anyways, I thought I was, you know, onto something and I had 20 employees. I had a manufacturing facility right outside Toronto. Um, working my butt off building and not really making money. Every time I had a piece of money, I had to buy new equipment. I bought CNC machines. I, I, you know, WSIB was always on my case because of the sod. We were cutting wood and oh my God, I had glue. Anyways, bro, I really got tired and frustrated, more frustrated with our, with our governments on how they make Canadian manufacturing so difficult. And, uh, you know, i sorry if I'm rambling, but this is part of the story of, I went to China. I was fortunate enough that I got married in 97 and my wife um, was working, if you believe it, for the, uh, uh, for the government and was the executive assistant for uh, Jim Flaherty. And I, got a, I was able to get on a trip, a, a trip for, for going to represent Ontario into China, who me? So I went with these guys. You know and I'm going to China, and I, Neil, I saw factories building speakers, speakers that you know where you know when you see you know in a building that's so high you sort of you know that like the second floor, and then you look out and you can see the whole. The factory was so big it was misty. I couldn't see the other end of the building. Like I was up on the side and I looked down and I could see, okay, there are some saws. And, and so I'm thinking how, and I asked him, how big, how big was it? he? goes, Oh, it's only about a quarter mile. I said, you're this building is a quarter mile and you're building just speakers. It was Oh yeah. And they tried to 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 convince me to move my, my manufacturing there. Neil, the lesson I'm saying is I got back and I got out of the speaker business. I got out of the music business. Cause I saw, how am I going to compete? They were building stuff there so cheap. This was 2002 that uh, when I came back, I said, guys, it's only a matter of time before someone with a lot of money is going to go over, buy 16 container loads, and flood the market. And that's exactly what's – if anyone's in the music business, convince me if I'm wrong. But you look at the speaker and some, and a lot of the stuff in the music industry comes from China. So I got out I got out. I got out, and that's how I, you know, I ended up there and got married. And then, so when I got out, I, I, in, interject if you want, but you know, I'm just going on and on because why not, right? Hopefully, people watching are can pick up on something and you know learn. And I'm just trying. Mark, to I'll get, I'll, 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 stop
0: I'll stop you when, stop you, when, you, when go off, you go up when you go up. Okay. Don't, worry. Don't worry, keep going. Worry.
1: So so I I then uh, I then looked at this property. And it was on bluegrass boulevard if anyone knows richmond hill it was bluegrass boulevard i won't give the address but bluegrass anyone just off taylor um so so uh i looked and said in my life what is the only thing that i really i didn't make money i made i paid the bills but i made money in real estate so i looked Talked to my wife and I said, You know, I, I think I have to make a career change. What are you going to do? I'm 42. I just had my second son as I was we're gonna, we're gonna getting into that. And I'm going, What do I do? I don't know. So I looked at real estate and I, and I, what the biggest motivator, if this helps, Neil, the biggest motivator, I was sick of what the, the WSIB was doing to me. I was sick of paying all these employees. Not the employees didn't deserve it. It's just all of running the company and all the machinery. I said, how can I make the same amount of money with less work? I don't know how, I, I, if, if there's anything I can tell anybody, figure out a business where you don't have to work that hard and you make tons of money. But, you know, I I, I, I you know, I love physical work. I, lo- I was a landscaper and, you know, I, as you know, I, I built all these apart. I love hard work, but I didn't want to count on. Anyways, I looked and I said, the only thing I made money on was this property. So I said, I'm going to get into real estate. And I, uh, at the time, you know, the internet was barely alive. And I found uh, the real estate investment network and uh, I joined that in 04. And um, within a year, within two years, I had done uh, six joint ventures and had 17 properties because, because you know, bro, getting to the passion, I, I looked at what this was going and I said, this, this is it. This, this, I get it. These guys are making money passively. Yeah. And I picked everyone's brain. I, I, I connected with some of the smartest people in the world that I know. And just, yeah. and at 40, bro, at 40, start, wrote my business plan. And because of the business plan, you start, and you, you know, you mentioned Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Earl Nightingale. These are the older, older guys. Yeah. You learn that these guys, they're, they're saying stuff like Jim Rohn says, what book are you reading now? so that in five years from now he says read the books that'll affect your life five years from now don't read you know something that read one that's going to be and i thought wow he's talking about planning and building and go and zig zirglar huge into goal setting huge i mean that guy has all. so i bid on i bid on that one and said, okay, I'm going to write a business plan for my life. I'm going to write, I'm going to, and I wrote everything down, you know, the five things you got your, you got your, your uh, academic, your spiritual, your financial, um, uh, your family and social, and then of course your, your academic. And so what are your goals in all those areas? And then through that, what, what, what comes out, you know, I can go through it. I, by the way, I, I wrote a whole, I had a whole website called the six steps to success. And if you read, bro, if you read my book, I actually have, I have a, a printout of it. I think, up oh, right here, bro, bro, look at this, bro. There it is. There, six steps to success. So it's 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 an Excel spreadsheet of where you line up all your goals and you and you spit out your goals so um uh, and 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 in this book as i say don't talk to me real estate unless you have goals unless you figured out what you want otherwise you're just going to waste my time so if there's a piece of advice if you want to talk to someone that's done something go to him with a plan and boom you he's going to respect you right how many Neil, how many times someone come up to you i want to invest in real estate and say well what do you want to do well i don't know i just heard it's a good thing to do don't waste my time right? so that's where that's how i started in real estate i don't know if that makes any sense but
0: Woo! Mm. <laughs> okay. So hang on a second. All right. We, you just took me on a bit of a whirlwind there. Um, right. it was a beautiful and I don't story. Want to keep but...
1: talking. Like I just, I know I'm rambling, bro. I'm rambling and blah. And I'm trying to stay focused on what you said, which right. is helping anyone watching. If I can be of any help is really what I want because yeah. you know, uh, what's his name? Stephen Covey says abundance mentality or scarcity. I've learned abundance mentality is the world I want to live in. If anyone succeeds because of me, that's amazing. That's how the world I want to live in.
0: Mark, tell me a little bit about those years, those seven years when, you know, your property isn't worth, yeah. isn't worth, uh, you know, it, it's somewhere around 75% of what you bought it for. Right. And you're trying to put people in there and you're thinking, what did I do? I'm actually yeah. passionate about music but somehow right. i'm now stuck in i'm now stuck in this deal
1: right and it wasn't an imp- it was a semi you know it wasn't that impressive of a home um i did all the work you know you know bro in seven years roofs windows i mean i did all the work myself just because i was i was built that way and you know the funny thing was i got married at, at, in 97 so i had the home for seven years and um you know w- when i when i sold it i sold it for 192 I paid 185 in 1989. Sold it for 192, almost. Well, 10 years later, so it, I had only made 3,000. But here's this is one of the motivators: is in that time, my tenants, not realizing how it works, my mortgage ended up only being 92,000. So I had made money. So I I was able to sell the property almost for what I paid for it 10 years later. And had a hundred thousand dollars to put towards another home because no one explained to me have tenants pay the rent down for you and again right. that's the passive income that's, right. that, that's something okay. that that i just want to encourage everybody how do you create passive income so
0: what what, what were you thinking about your grandmother at, in during those years as you were dying
1: well uh you know she she was too much of a humble woman Uh, to, to do anything, but, but, you know, it's hard to explain, Neil. I mean, she rarely spoke. I mean, Christmas dinners, you know, everyone's yapping and and there's my little, she doesn't say anything. And then people would, and we had, you know, I don't know about your family, you know, 25 around the dinner, we're European, loud, eating food. And then we're talking about the world events and we're opinionated. Ah, you don't know. And then would says, hey, grandma, what do you say? And she goes, ah, it's all just talk. And, and I thought, God, there's another wise saying. We're all trying to force, you know. When you're young, you ah, I think you're wrong, And, and it we a lot of. It was fun. It was all in good. But my, you know, she says she was trying to say, why bother? You guys are just thrown off, and that's the way she was built. She was a woman of action. That's for sure, a woman of action. So, so you know, during those tough times, I I, I wouldn't I couldn't say that I. Was you know how would my what would my grandmother do because I was just trying to survive you know my music business as as I mentioned I just paid the bills loved it met so many wonderful people in the music industry to this day but really did not make money at it
0: yeah yeah wow um, 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 okay so so you get through these difficult years and then you stumble upon you stumble upon all this equity that you now have in this property. Yeah. yeah. Are you realizing that as the years are going on? Are you seeing this? No.
1: Building? No, because because again, no. you're you're, you know, you're focused no. on on music. Right, right. And and you know the thing Neil is I didn't have a mentor. I didn't, right. you know, as what the one of the first things I learned when I joined, uh, you know, a group, so to speak, uh, an investment group is get find a mentor. No one talked like this. Zig Ziglar talked like that. Earl! And here I was, 42, and again, I go back to the fact that I was so arrogant, I thought, I I know what, I'm a good drummer, I know what I'm doing, I'm smart, I have this. Not realizing that there's a lot smarter people out there that if I would have had. And to be fair, I had one guy in university, so I was, uh, by the way, I could go on. I, I left home at 18 on a motorcycle, lived in Florida. Uh, worked on a cruise ship. Bro, there's all kinds of stuff in there. I came back, went to university. Lo and behold, a new neighbor moved in. So I was gone for two years. I came back at 20, started university. And I'm gonna. Start, the reason, we're going back to the mentor. I want to explain a mentor. My first, well, Someone that I, I realized, holy crap, this guy knows what he's doing. 20, arrogant, you know, whatever. I know lots. I know music. I go back to university. My neighbor is a fellow named Frank Cosentino. Google him. Frank Cosentino was a, the quarterback for the Hamilton C- Tiger Cats that won the Grey Cup. He ends up being a professor at York University. He ends up being a, a phys ed and having his PhD in business, in business. When I met him, he, he crossed the fence. Hey, how you doing, ah, Frank, how you doing? He has a son my age, by the way, Tony Cosentino, to this day, a good friend. Anyways, uh, I, go to, I go to York, I'm arrogant. He says, hey, Mark, you know, he, I see him in the hallways. He goes, you want to play a game of squash? And I'm thinking, you know, he's 50. What does he know? I said, sure, I'll play you. I couldn't even reach the ball. He was so good. And, you know, he he, was, he wasn't he was trying to, to, to impress. He was just saying, you know, this is how you play squash. I went, holy crap. And then, and then, you know, I started, you know, here he was, the football coach, this. And I'm going, wow, this guy's a big man on campus. And I went, whoa. And then... You know, because he's my neighbor, I went to him and and he came in, barbecues. And I said, how's school going? Because I didn't take any of his courses. I said, I don't know. I just can't seem to get it together. And He goes, when you write an essay, let me read it for you. Okay. So he read a Neil no joke. He was so kind. He said, Mark, what are you trying to say in this essay? And I said, well, I'm trying to say blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, why didn't you write that? Why are you trying to impress me? with big words. And I said, because it's university. And I went, no, 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 you you missed the point. The point is you want to communicate something clearly, use simple language and just say, write exactly what you're saying. And that's communication. I went from a C to an A plus. Bro, by the third year, I was an A student at York. I never got more than C's in my whole life because I just, I don't know, I never. So he said to me and and and, he guided me, and it's, it's one of the first men, I mean, my father for sure, and there was this other fellow that I met, but for sure from a, from a really like, he blew me away was Frank Cosentino uh, humbled me in so many areas, but also was a mentor. He said, Mark, focus You're he you says you're your you're, you're energy and all this, and you know, you can imagine blah Bob, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, arrogant, arrogant, arrogant. And he's saying, just focus. And he says, you're going to become like a flower. And maybe one day he'll watch this. And it's a joke him and I have. And I said, I said, Frank, I'm in bloom right now, man. I'm blooming. And um, anyways, he's, he's still alive. He's actually 91, lives in Eganville. And he, he writes, he's an author. Google, I'm telling you guys, Google him. He is, a, he writes all about sports, guys. He's published 13, 14 books, I think. So that was my very first mentor. He didn't, I wish he would have said Mark, get mentors. He did, though, very specifically try to guide me because he saw, you know, I was like going here, going here, talking about this, doing that. And he says, focus, focus, focus. And and
0: look sort of. Mark, Mark, I got I gotta ask you something about that because we all you and I know the power of mentorship, of having someone that's able to guide you. For sure. But, but what most of us are afraid of, what most people are afraid of is, is just having the person that's telling you what to do. And, and you never know, I I don't know if people know how to tell the difference. Like I, and I'm not sure if we even knew how to tell the difference at that stage, it just kind of happened at the right point in time. Now, I think you and I could probably talk about how we choose a little bit more, but I think there's so much fear around. How do I tell the difference between a mentor and someone who's just uh, loudmouth or something, or just wants (laughs) to tell me what to do? Right. Someone's trying to control my life because that person probably sounds a whole lot like my dad or mom. Yeah, you know what I'm saying.
1: And and you know, and that's an excellent point. You know, my father for sure obviously influenced work ethic. Influenced me probably is the greatest mentor, and I think most of our fathers are. But it's these outside people that that sort of pinpoint us, and so for me it was more just you know that you're 18 years old and you think you 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 know everything preventing me from listening to someone who has real real abilities and that's the first thing and the second thing is thinking that why would this guy that has everything smart want to help me and i'm like i mentioned i'm 61 and if anyone comes to me and says hey mark uh you know, I'm thinking of buying a property, whatever. And by the way, Neil, I, I, I just met a guy, watched your podcast, uh, met with him on Tuesday, just just uh, two days ago, watched it, contacted me and just wanted to say, hey, Mark, I, I, this is what I'm thinking of doing. I want to talk real estate. We met at the Tim Hortons uh, and he's a great guy. Just so he, right on. That's exactly what. And he says, I really like what you talked about. And I said, man. And so getting to that, Mm -hmm. is I want to say that it's a compliment for anyone to come and say, I like what you said. Can you help me? And I go, of course I'll help you because you Neil and I both know as businessmen, we don't know where that person's going to be. What if that person ends up making millions and whatever? Look, I'm talking about Frank Cosentino. I'm talking about Chuck Mady. I'm talking about people that influenced my life. These guys are still alive and you know, they're, they're, they're well-retired, but imagine, you know, what if someone contacts me and says, I want to do business with you. I'm saying they're great people. They're great influential people. Yeah. And that's, you know, I don't know if that helps, but you're talking about breaking through the mentorship barrier. Yeah. I would say the first thing anyone's got to realize, it's a compliment. You're paying someone a compliment. Yeah. And 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 I think that's, that's a great thing to do. Y-
0: you and I know... You and I know something. I'm going to say it this way. You and I know about time in the desert. Uh, (laughs) Great way to put it. Yes. Right. Where you're wandering and you're trying to figure this thing out. And sometimes you might even be there with some other people and they have no idea what they're doing out there either. Mm -hmm. But then when you actually great way to bring Moses into it, all of a sudden, when you bring someone that actually knows a way through it, it's like a drink of. Cool water. And yeah. can you say something about what it's like to be lonely in in, in a space?
1: Well, that's that's, you know, I'm, I'm laughing because I had a TV show at one time and I said to a couple people, I don't want to hear your success stories. I want to hear the struggles because it's during the struggle that you really learn the most. And it's during the struggle that that's when people really need. Like when you're successful and you got money, you kind of think, oh, "I don't need." It. But when you're going through a hard time, that's when you really, really need someone to lean on. That's when you really, really need that mentorship. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I've been through several, you know, extremely difficult things, and and I don't want to go into too many details, but you know, uh, I'm divorced. I'll use that. And and I, 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 it was not something that I'm proud of. It is what it is. Um, that was the most difficult time in my life. And I'll never forget, Neil, um, the day it happened. And and I had to do a show that night. And I swear to you, Neil, it was a live TV show. Um, it was a New Market Rogers, Rogers TV. Yeah. And I had a guest and, you know, Mark, what do I do? And, I'm, and I closed my eyes, I put my head down and said, this is the worst. I, I couldn't even think because I just wanted to walk off I and I said, I've gotta pretend to be interested. I gotta pretend and the last thing I was I was on the on the verge of t- like everything. I everything I stood for, you know, family, strength, um, um, you know, uh, you know, like the the idea of raising a family and all of that's extremely important to me, bro. Very important. And it was shattered. It was shattered. Everything I had lived for, I was raised, you know, s- strong, Catholic, the whole thing, and I loved it all. I truly, truly did, Neil. And to have this happen, and then the reason why I'm mentioning it is, is I I just put my head down, I pray, I said, "Get me through this next hour," because I I, I had to, and I and I heard in my headphone, "Okay, you're on." In three, two, one, and I went, "Hey, welcome to another episode." And I'll, bro, i will bro, I honestly, that memory is so vivid. I remember the lights. I remember putting my head down, and this person was going, Mark, what do I say?" And I said, "Hold it, hold it. I just gotta take a breather." So. It's not really, I I know I'm not relating how I got through it, but I'm trying to explain that there are moments in life where you're alone, you're truly alone and you have to, God, I hate to use the word fake it till you make it, but there is, there is some truth to that where where you have to put your head down. And I honestly don't know how I got through some of the things I got through. No joke, no joke. I started, you know, if I, if you want to talk about the desert, um, I started a company um, called Valor Capital um, and at the time I, I, I literally got divorced and here I was starting a business, had a drive to Burlington. I lived in, in King city. Um, no money, you know, just bro. I look back and go, how did I get through it? You work, you work your butt off That's one thing work, uh, working very hard, gets you through difficulties. You know, I, I don't know how you want to talk about the difficulties, but I look back now and, and just, I don't know how I got through it. I'll be serious. I don't know how I got through it. That was the most difficult time.
0: Yeah. Um, Mark, I I really appreciate you. What what you're sharing and what you're giving right now, because you're right. The, the good times, the successes are real easy to talk about, but for anyone that's actually been, been through it or had any success, what you really know and you really remember is what you had to get through to get yeah. there. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and so I I really appreciate what you're, what you're creating here in terms of helping us understand the battle in behind, because I think a lot of people see the gold and they're excited about that and they don't understand that you you're going to have to dig through a whole bunch of dirt to get there. Um, and so, like a lot They're of people good. say,
1: you know, to that,
0: that, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get.
1: Meaning yeah. that they say, they say, oh, you're just lucky. You just bought that property. I said, no, you have no clue. There's there's so many things going going on behind it. You know, like I always, if there's anything, again, I could say is you got to give the two and a half minute speech. My son wanted to be a, a movie, a movie guy. I said, okay, Miles, uh, you have, you're in an elevator with Steven Spielberg. You got two minutes tell me exactly what you'd say and it goes what are you talking about i'm saying because that's how prepared you need to be for the opportunity because then people are going to say you were lucky and, I, and no way were you just lucky you were prepared for the guy that brought you whatever but because how many right so so be prepared with your business plan be prepared when that opportunity comes because then you're going to get really lucky
0: yeah yeah absolutely then they'll call you an overnight success that's right that
1: right and so all the struggles that you know you go through all the internal personal stuff that you go through um they don't know how you got there and they think ah you were just like bull bull i say that bull, bro.
0: you know i've i've been in private lending for a number of years now and i remember when um you know people were including brokers were trying to talk me out of it they're like what are you doing that for like yeah there's all this other stuff why are you why are you trying to do that type of business and then years later those same individuals would come back around and say wow you know it was i guess it was a really good idea that you got into it back then yeah (laughs) (laughs) you were
1: lucky you were lucky neil yeah
0: yeah yeah meanwhile If you had done any research or, you you know, in all these different areas that we're talking about, if you do some research, if you if you put a plan together, you can see that there's not I'm not that creative. I got to be honest, like as much as I enjoy the creative side of me, uh, a lot of it is if you just take the time to look to look ahead, look at the past and then look ahead, you know, a lot of it can be figured out. But this element of tenacity that you're talking about, this element of being able to uh, hold up under the fire, to be able to uh, stay cool and to look cool and calm while everything is going crazy. Yeah,
1: Yeah. well, and again, that's why I brought up that TV show is... Yeah. There was a perfect example um, of, of, you know, looking like, hey, I'm into this, but oh my God, that's the last place in the world I wanted to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, something I, I think is important is that there's a lot of situations that you get into and you get into them at one point And once you've gone through it, it's a lot easier to deal. You don't have to fake it the next time around. Um And and I think there's something to being an investor that that those muscles get built through the through that fire, through that exercise that a lot of people don't get. Because I've seen I saw a developer a few years back who uh, had amassed millions, millions of dollars in a very short period of time in about a five year span. And I looked at this individual on paper and I can say this, I said, nope something is wrong i i will not lend this person any money and uh and the other person thought well why would you do that i said why won't you do that i said this person hasn't learned certain lessons that come through going through tough times they haven't been through any of it and as it turned out that that developer almost totally died they they had to sell off most of their stuff because they hadn't learned some of those lessons along the way of, uh, you know, what can happen when you don't get a permit, what can happen when, you know, and, and if they don't have uh, the mentor in there to be able to walk them through, you you know, I think there's, uh,
1: for sure. I mean, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're, you're touching on the thing about risk, the weighing out the risk to the reward and, and understanding those two things is the key to investing. But, I, I think only experience and maturity, having been th- lived through a lot of different things, will will show will tell you. It's like you know buying at twelve percent. I had no one tell me, "Are you crazy? That's the highest interest rate we've seen in the history of Canada." I just went because no one, if someone you know older would have said, "You know, that's very high. You better." I had no one, and so so you know it's true. As you get older, you become less risk risk. Um, you know, oriented, you become risk averse and there's friends. reasons for that. It's because you've seen failure. You've seen things go bad. And I mean, yeah. people who meet me now, they say, Oh my God, are you ever a risk taker? And I said, you should have seen me when I was 20. Oh man, <laughs> I jumped on a motorcycle and took off. I said, no, I'm going to find my riches. And you know, but <laughs> I, I do that only, I, you know, I'm trying to temper that because I've, you know, I've, I've, I've crashed. I've seen a crash in real estate. You know, the 2008 um, scared the crap out of me. Um, I had 17 properties. I, it, the market froze and I, I did. I made some changes thinking we're in for trouble. But as we know, the market just leveled off for about a year and then it took off again. And and uh, But having seen those things, it's, it's scary. So I right now, let's talk practical real estate stuff. So I'm seeing okay. cap rates of 3.5%. I just saw a guy say, hey, there's a deal here at 3.5% cap rate. And I want to be the old guy and say, thanks and say, say, you know what? That's, that's, that's stupid. That's unheard of. You should be buying when cap rates are at eight and 10. I, in 05, no one told me that I was at a, at a great moment to buy real estate. Every property I looked at Neil was between 10, 12, 15% cap rates. And I bought whatever I could. So that's really, but, but, but if I had a mentor saying now's the time to buy, but looking back, was I lucky? I was involved in an investment group. I did have some people and everyone was saying now is a good time to buy. And I do appreciate that. And I'm trying to tell people now, cash flow properties are brutally difficult to find right now. Not that real estate, you don't invest. You just have to look at other avenues. So I'm only being very specific. If there's any piece of advice is don't buy a property with three and a half cap rate. One mistake and you're losing money. So Mm. you know what I mean in terms of, and yet you know and I know, bro, there are people buying properties left, right, and center where it's zero cap rate, you know, they all oh, the mortgage is going to be paid. What
0: if the property goes down in value? You know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. If yeah. that makes oh, sense. oh, forget about forget that. About there are, that people that are people right people now right that, now are, that buying, are buying that are losing, that are losing money. money. Yes, and they're like, oh, okay, I it, it. And there are people that are teaching this and saying you get a write off because you're losing money. Oh, don't worry, you can put that against right. you know your income. You can lose some money, but you know appreciation. Is gonna, right. right you you've yeah. heard this stuff and oh my goodness what, what do you I say so Carter, i, I just, yeah. just just
1: yeah appreciation equals speculation you don't know so if you want to be a speculative investor count on appreciation i i tell everybody in this again by the way anyone watching free book it's it tells you whatever i'm talking about it goes where, a little, where do they, but, they get the book mark where do they get your book you, but you can email it to me you can you can email me at you know mark at i would love to send you the book um again you know it's self-published it's not on amazon i just did it because i did have people say oh mark you should write a book and i thought you know what i had a blog and i really just collected it all it wasn't difficult and i did have uh, a great publisher, uh, Wiley, uh, you know, publish it for me and, you know, just friends, but it was just, you know, a thing to, it was another checkbox, right? It's cool. I did a TV show. I wrote a book. These are all cool things,
0: but in it, I,
1: I say very clearly, you only buy on cash flow. That should be your number one reason. Appreciation is, is, is in there. I'm not saying appreciation isn't part of life, but it shouldn't be the reason. So right.
0: that's all I can say about that. Oh, preach brother. Preach. I love what you're talking about. Well, I gotta because, be careful what
1: I I gotta be careful what I say because you know I, I I run a company, Core Core Advisory, and, yeah. and you know we're we're buying and when you look at my pro formas, uh, I do not include appreciation, so I can only do deals because I have to I have to preach. I have to do what I what I preach, which is yeah. I'm not buying on, uh, on 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 appreciation. I'm buying on cash flow. If I'm buying a cash flow property, yeah. and I haven't bought yeah. a, I I'm I am buying one. By the way, it's a long story, but I'm buying one and it cash flows. But but it's okay. out, It's north, north of Toronto, but
0: yeah. Okay, wait. Le, let me ask this question here uh, because you as a um, as the owner owner of uh, of Core or just well, direct, I'm I'm a, part, a
1: partners. A core Advisory partners, is actually a partnership. Yeah. Uh, um, and, okay. I, and I own, uh, I'm partners with core realty partners is one division yeah. of core advisory. It is the okay. development division. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, we also set up a, a rent to own. Um, and so I don't partners in yeah. all those companies, but yeah. I have partners and, and you know, get used to it. Real
0: estate is always about partnerships. So Absolutely. You know Absolutely. Uh, okay. So let me ask the question because you've had a number of companies, mm-hmm. you you've had a number of companies. So, uh how how in the, like if i'm looking if i'm looking you up and i see okay he's got core but look at all these other companies what does that mean that means that yeah. those yeah. companies probably have all failed like how in the world can i look at this guy and
1: well yeah i mean valor is still around valor pro funds okay. they're still around you yeah. probably you know and um, they're still around i left and it was amicable i'll just say it as that i uh yeah um i uh you know my music company uh the speakers i have are still around bro no joke yesterday a friend on facebook sent me a picture on facebook marketplace a pair of my speakers are for sale i feel like buying them for as antiques sake because you know i stopped building back in 2002 so man and i built some the last series were amazing you couldn't blow them up you could drive the crap out of them throw them, and anyways i had to sell it. anyway that's all other story. so yeah you know I, I never went bankrupt, never had a bankrupt company, um, but I'm saying straight up, certain companies did better than others. And and even right. on my investments, every investment right. I've done, I've never lost. My investors haven't lost. S- sometimes you didn't make as much, but I can honestly say that, uh, you know, so far so good. It's been, it's yeah. been, it's been good that way. So,
0: so now having been through... A number of up and downs through different companies. Can you say something about it, that in terms of, like, what what did you learn from going from companies? Great company? question.
1: Um, so, if I'm saying life is about partnerships, I, I, I then then realize that you want that going. If you want to go into a business and you want to join partnerships, the thing called the shareholder agreement is the agreement that binds the corporation. I don't know for anyone. So, if you if you want to buy a property and you're going to go into a partnership, the corporation owns the property, the shareholder agreement is the divorce agreement. So that's how I look at it. So yeah. before you buy the property, write your divorce agreement, which is a great way of planning to say if that you know what hits the fan, here's how we're going to divorce each other. And then you yep. get and it's a very believe me, those are difficult conversations. You're going with a partner. Well, what if you rip me off and what you're right? What if I do? What if this happens? What if you steal money? What if So you go through and the shareholder agreement, if they're, you know, again, having done a few of these, the lawyers have said, think of it as the divorce agreement. So if there's a piece of advice, working in partnerships, working in relationships, create a strong shareholder agreement that basically is your divorce agreement. And that way you can sleep at night and you both agree. Mm -hmm. If we get a divorce, which is absolutely possible, it's all written there. Oh, you, I buy you out shotgun, shotgun agreement, whatever it is, no problem. See you, bye. And that's how I was yeah like don't be um, afraid to add i guess don't be afraid to ask extremely difficult questions yeah like saying yeah you know what if the market collapses what if you're right let's put that in there what if the market collapses here's what you and i are going to do yeah and that's, that, that's what there's
0: a, why is that important
1: because it happens <laughs> because that kind of stuff happens um not all of it happens but Let's face it, the golden the golden times in a partnership is when you first meet. Oh man, aren't you great? Oh wow, what a great you and I are gonna make millions. Wow, you we oh yeah, we're gonna work hard. And then and then you and it's all positive. It's all positive. And I'm going and saying, stop the positivity, hire a good lawyer that asks you the very difficult questions, says, What if you hate the guy? What if he steals? What if he dies? What if, uh, the market collapses? What if this, what if, uh, what if he, he, oh my God, there's so many scenarios, you know, most in real estate, there's pretty standard joint venture agreements and shareholder agreements. You know, you gotta, it's your roles. You do this, I do that. Well, what if you don't do that? Well, then I do this and that kind of thing.
0: Can you explain the difference between the two? a A joint venture
1: agreement is a, is a, is a, uh, uh, So so a corporation is a legal entity. A joint venture agreement may not be a legal entity, meaning that it's a trust agreement. So trust agreements can be anything where two people sign and say, I trust that your signature is good. That's a trust agreement. Hmm. A corporation is a legal entity that pays taxes. So that's the Hmm. way I've always been taught. It's like a person that has a number to it or a name. The shareholder agreement that gets attached to that corporation forms part of a legal entity it yeah. may not necessarily be the joint venture agreement so how i sometimes look at it is the joint venture agreement is almost the draft of a shareholder agreement mm-hmm. you can just survive on a joint venture agreement in other words you can both you can both say we're both our names are going to be on the property and the thing that brings us together is the joint venture agreement right. so It's not registered agreement the way that a corporation is registered, right? A corporation is registered on title when you buy a property. Therefore, a shareholder, a joint venture agreement is not necessary. However, you can register trust agreements. So just want to be clear that a joint venture agreement for me is, is like the preamble to a, a shareholder agreement. That helps. I don't know if that
0: helps. (laughs) That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Thank you for uh, putting that so clearly. I mean, honestly that you're just teaching a masterclass right there. Uh, you you know, I'm, I'm continually talking with investors as you are, and you realize how much is not out there in terms of people are going to people they're paying for mentorship. They're paying for some of this stuff and they're not getting, they're not getting, Simple information like you just laid out. Hey, what's the right. difference between a shareholder agreement and a joint venture agreement? What's the, the difference the, between the, a rent to own and a and right. a uh, rental?
1: Right, right. And and you know the 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 importance of these documents um, legally is really what it comes down to. I mean, uh, you know, a handshake is re- is still a fundamental of, of of a good agreement. You know, a handshake agreement. Right? People say, "Well, I shook his hand." I know partnerships that have survived on handshake because there's trust. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot say and people have said this, uh, any agreement is only written on the is only as good as the people is, is the person behind it is the signature behind it, because you could sign an agreement and the next day you end up in court and guess what you go into court over a joint venture agreement, you're going to be years and years, you go into court, I've seen mortgages where, you know, the the guy didn't pay it out, he was paid, paid out the, 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 the amount sat in a judge for four years, like, you can even still have all that. It's that it's the person that signs it. That is true. And that's where, how do you describe trust? Neil, right? Like how do you, how do you put trust in writing? How do you, that's really what an essence is a joint. You're putting yeah. trust, you're putting trust in that person and yeah. experience. I don't know how to, I don't know how there's a whole other conversation about trust, uh, you know, because we are trusting the people we're signing.
0: Yeah. Um, since you brought it up, I got to ask about that. Can you see this is part of the world of this is leadership to wealth and where we talk we're talking about taking leadership of yourself and that that leads to wealth in finances, family, fitness, all of these areas and trust without a doubt is at the core. Of that, is. of leadership, and so, um, can you say a little bit more about about that? Because I think a lot of people are scared when when it comes to some of these areas. Yeah, they're scared and, and, when and, it comes you know, to marriage. They're scared when it comes to finances. Because how do I know I can trust this person? That's right,
1: for sure. And that's where you know, I, you know, the simplest answers is well, you got to take a leap of faith. Because, you know, you got to trust a person. And, you know, there is stories. I have stories about women's intuition. <laughs> so I remember going to meetings and, you know, I remember hearing, you know, growing up, wow, oh, women's intuition. What the hell's that? Come on. They don't have intuition. I got to tell you, they do. <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been in parties, you know, and the girl I was with or whatever, and he, they shake their hand. And I go, what a great guy! And she goes, I don't know, Mark. There was something about him. And I'm going, what are you talking about? He was great. They were right. And I gotta tell you, meaning that the person did end up, you know, doing something nefarious. I do believe in women's intuition. They, it, it's, I don't know how to put it, bro. I, 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 I'm hoping there's there's women watching this, but saying I I commend you for 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 you can shake a guy's hand and know if he's telling the truth. It says, how do you do that? So. Trying to learn from that, you know, circling back to the, 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 to the original question of trust, it does come down to that. And I guess your gut has to tell you, gosh, is this person?" Let me let me there is one piece of advice. You know, again, being a leadership thing is if someone is exposing themselves, uh, their vulnerabilities,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I tend to trust people that do that because yeah. most people want to hide and only show their strengths. It's the right. people that are so strong that they show their vulnerability. They show the mistakes. They talk about their failures. Yeah, those to yeah. Me are, are the people. Sorry, I just I didn't turn off my phone. I didn't turn off my phone. Sorry, bro. Um, yeah. um, that, that I would say, you know, if you if you're asking a very pointed question, yeah. that would be an indicator for me saying, God, you know, that person, he opened up. He told me something that, you know, wow. Uh, he struggled with something, no one, so just to be clear in business, one thing about being older and maturity has taught me is that everybody goes through crap. And if in a business meeting, somehow, you know, negative, negative things come up. I have a tendency to trust that person because I'm going, wow, I find that someone who becomes vulnerable, humble, uh, is usually a trustworthy person. I don't know how else to put it. (laughs)
0: I love when people say, "You know what? I I don't know the answer to that. I'll I'll get back to you." And (laughs) they take note. It's like, okay, I would rather you say to me, "You don't know," and and you're going to get the answer rather than trying to BS it, trying to come up with you know, and you and you you've watched people do this. Oh my goodness, you got me all excited. You've watched people do this, and they start. They start making up stuff. You can tell they're doing a song and dance.
1: Right. They're, uh, trying, but, to, they're trying to impress me. They're trying to sell me something. And, yeah. and there's no need to do that.
0: That's you know. and, and whatever was amazing prior to that point, if they had just been honest with you in that moment and said, I don't know. At that point, you're like, no, I, hey. I don't know if this is if I can see this one, who knows how many other bodies are buried back there?
1: And let's circle this back all the way to the beginning about music because I know we, our time is up. So here I was talking about music. In other words, I wasn't trying to impress him. I was just being myself. You, it's exactly what you just said, Neil. Just be yourself. And the guy hired me. And that, if there is ever a piece of advice, is don't try to impress someone because especially a, you know an older person who's been around and this whole thing about leadership and all that is we've seen it all. I, I you know If I can say one last thing is I deal with investors all the time. And when I ha- when I meet someone and they saying, and, and if within that first five minutes, they say, I have a lot of money. They don't, if they come across dressed casual shorts, t-shirt, and they're not trying to impress me, they do. I bro. That's if, if there's, you know, going back to the idea of trust, going back. In other words, you don't have to impress people. You, you, you just be yourself. I I know that's so boring and that's so not, you know, there's no lightning bolts, but for young people, everybody's trying to impress you. And I'm saying, I'm sorry, I'm not impressed. Like I'm not impressed with your BMW. I'm not impressed with your Mercedes. Sorry. You know, just read what's his name's book on 85% of the people driving BMWs are three months away from bankruptcy. You know, they're, you know, that what's the millionaire next door. Great book. He talks about who are the real millionaires in life and I'm going, I'm subtracting. Sorry. I won't get into that, but read (laughs) that book. It'll tell you who the real. So anyways,
0: anyways, I think our time's up, bro. We've been
1: talking for an hour, man.
0: Mark, the rock star, real (laughs) estate and realness. (laughs) No, no, no. No, Rock star, real estate and realness with Mark Vasilius. Mark, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. For sharing all of that uh, with and and, with and before I go and you know Neil, I,
1: I, it was my pleasure. I got to tell you, you're easy to talk to. I I said this after our first interview. I said this guy Neil, he's a success. He all he did was lift me up. All he did was make me look good, and that to me is a sign of success. So Neil, you don't even have to. I want to interview you. For my for my upcoming things because I can tell you're a success because you're you're really making me look good and I tell you I've been in an interview you you're you're nailing it so I don't doubt Neil that you've got stories and that you're a success of your own and so I gotta just say thank you man you just keep it up.
0: Thanks, brother. We we had a blast having you on the show today, and uh, definitely looking forward to you and I connecting more. Yeah, you're coming and online How's that? Okay. And guys, sure. guys, if you want to uh, if you want to check out Mark, you can, uh, you know, of course, uh, go check him out at Core Advisory. Um, and we're gonna have all of the links for to find Mark on the show below. So, uh, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. My today. pleasure, Neil. Great thank talking with you. Me. All right. Take care.